And then you can like enter into the like adding in nice things about yourself because I think that's really important to do. Um, But at first, just try to cut off that like shit talking on yourself Mm. because it is just, it's just like gonna poison you. Like it was just poisoning me. Like I thought it was so normal to just like hate on myself all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of First Rounds of Me. And today we have the absolute pleasure of hosting the ever infectious, fast talking, bleach browed thrifting goddess herself, Macy Eleni. We're gonna be doing a deep dive into her thrifting world, all things mental health, get what I'm sure is gonna be some very solid advice on some long-term relationships, all while seeing how well she knows herself Play around of first thing that comes to mind and a special thrifting edition of Fuck Mary Kill. Welcome to the show, darling. Hello. Oh my god, nothing sounds more exciting than a special thrift edition of <sighs> Fuck Mary Kill. I'm so excited. I don't know why no one's ever played that with me before. Like, why has no one ever presented that game? I'm so happy that I'm the yeah. first person to be able to yeah. do so. Wait, Hannah, is, is Eleni the is Macy Eleni the first person you followed that was Yes, um, I guess. Truly and utterly. And I was uh, as I said on the email, the initial email, I found you on YouTube. I want to say like a year and a half ago. I love when people f- tell me that they find me through YouTube and like more specifically YouTube shorts because I feel like that's like a whole other, I feel like all my platforms are a different kind of world mm. and I kind of feel like the audience is a little different. So I feel like my YouTube audience is who I'm like the closest with and it's where I like involve my sister a lot more in my content too. So YouTube is, was like my first social media platform that I ever fell in love with. So I feel like when people say YouTube, I'm like, okay, you know me. It brings you joy. Like you know yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I found you and I was like, who is this beautiful <laughs> human being and then when you were telling us about it and she was like Macy Elaine I was like does that name sound familiar and she said blazing glaze and I was like shut up I was like she needs to be on the podcast so yes first person that because you're a big thrifter massive thrifter and he actually I took him thrifting for the first time a couple of months ago first time ever here in LA here in LA and he was blown away we've gone three times now Mm -hmm. yeah my boyfriend's entire wardrobe is pretty much secondhand at this point as it should be yeah as it should be. It, there's good stuff for guys out there. I feel like because less guys are out there picking, mm-hmm. like we will walk in and find him like Alexander McQueen sneakers, so hot. Like Balenciaga sneakers, so hot. Like we would just find the craziest stuff for him. Like it's savers. Pick up some tips yeah. for you today because I just feel like we're going to deck you out in it. Yeah. Because you love all the things that we've found thus far, haven't you? Yeah, but it's like hit or miss. Yeah. He, the, the last story we went to, there was nothing. You just need more practice time. That's yeah. all it is. We'll get there. Um, all right. So can you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself? Like where you're from? How long you've been in Los Angeles? Yeah, I am from Dayton, Ohio, pretty much like a nowhere zone type of place. It's pretty gray. But I will say the thrifting is fantastic. And that's where like I obviously fell in love with thrifting when I was a teenager. I've lived in LA now for maybe like six or seven years, six years, seven years, something like that. I have lost count at this point, but I love LA so much. I've wanted to live here my entire life. Like I grew up just like dying to be an entertainer and like make people laugh and make people happy. I spent like so much time when I was younger, kind of like dealing with like the trauma of like my growing up and like stuff like that, watching TV and watching movies and like holding up in the basement of my mom's house doing that. And I loved people like keeping me company that way and storytelling. So I always just wanted to do that for other people. So in my mind, I was like, LA, I got to get there so I can just entertain the world. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Did you accidentally step into being a famous thrifter or did you want to be an actress, comedian? Oh my gosh, I've never been called a famous thrifter before. Uh, but I guess famous. I am the most, You're the most famous <laughs> But um, that definitely wasn't a thing though for a very long time. I, you know, I've been thrifting literally since for, forever, but I really, really got into it when I was like 16 years old because I started really falling in love with fashion. And I like covered my walls in my basement room at my mom's house when I was 
a teenager with like nylon and Teen Vogue and stuff. And I just wanted to recreate those outfits, but obviously like we couldn't afford that. And the thrift store was like a place I could go that really just felt like another universe that transported me out of my much less than sparkly reality in my home to like a place where like literally anything was possible. And it was so much fun for me. And that was just something I was always naturally doing. Um, I, I always knew I wanted to like make TV, make just entertain people, but I wasn't sure what. I was super into singing when I was younger. I always just loved performing for people and making people laugh and making them happy. And that always filled my cup up so much. So I actually started my first YouTube channel ever, which isn't the one I have now. And it was called Fashion Outsider 09. Like back when it was like, you know, we weren't sure if it was safe to like use our real names on the internet in yes, 2010. Like and so I made YouTube videos literally when like the first wave, like very first wave of people were making YouTube videos. And I would literally take my like flip camera to the thrift store and like make these thrift with me's really reminiscent of what I make now, but having no idea that that was a thing or would ever become a thing. You know, people weren't even like really doing like social media as a job at that time. College for fashion merchandising. And I was kind of just in this place where I was dealing a lot with my mental health and my eating disorder and hadn't really entered recovery yet. I didn't really until I moved out here to LA. And when I moved out here, I was making my YouTube videos, still just trying to get my footing and what I could really do in entertainment and like what I had to say, I feel like I had to really go through um, the first couple years that I lived in LA were like serious for me, like going through recovery from my eating disorder for the first time for real, like as an adult, I went to a treatment program when I was 16. And it didn't do anything because with eating disorders, you know, like if you don't want to make that change, like it's just not going to happen. So that was, you know, like never going to happen for me when I was younger. And I realized that like, I wasn't going to be able to make my dreams come true. You know, I'd moved out to LA, this place I wanted to live my whole life. And I was still depressed. I was still in this terrible mindset. I was still waking up every day. And the first things out of my mouth were something mean about myself, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. That is like way too natural for us to just like wake up and be like, oh my God, I look like shit. And like, oh my God, like I'm so stupid and all this stuff. And that was stuff that I realized that I had to work through before I could really like have anything to say to anyone. You know, like I wanted to say all these things and I wanted to like entertain people, make them happy, but I wasn't at a place where I was happy with myself at all. So like, what did I really have to give anyone else at that point? And that's when I kind of just started opening up online about what I was going through. And then it kind of naturally spilled into me feeling comfortable enough to start sharing my thrifting because up until a couple years ago, up until like 2019, I had really always like, uh, in my mind, like fashion and thinness went very hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And when I did fashion internships in the past and walked through the halls of Teen Vogue, when I went to Teen Vogue Fashion University, like it was just like, I, a lot of rumblings of thin women talking about, you know, how they like didn't have time to eat lunch that day and like whatever, and making that sound cool. And that was so glamorized. And so I really had to get to a point where I could finally like share fashion in the way I wanted to, which is making people feel good about themselves and not making it like look like me, dress like me to be cool. I wanted it to be more about like being yourself and self-expression, which thrifting really lends itself to because you can't buy the exact same thing that I'm wearing and you won't find the exact same thing, but you'll find something that's really you. Um, and that has just been like a really beautiful journey that kind of just like seamlessly, but not seamlessly at all. Like obviously lots of ups <laughs> and downs, but kind of worked out to me starting my TikTok in 2020 at a time when sustainability and like people wanting to get more into thrifting was like such a huge conversation, not just in fashion, but like the world. And so when I started making my TikTok thrifting videos, no one was really doing that and making those types of videos at the time. Um, 
sharing thrifting and estate sales and stuff like that. So it really blew up for me then. Uh, and now it's been like crazy to watch. Like now I scroll my FYP and it's like girly after girly, like at the thrift <laughs> in their car. And I'm just like, these are thrift fluencers, which like didn't even exist thrift a couple years ago. I love that. I feel like you really have inspired like a, a certain generation or, you know, multiple generations to, as you said, like you can't, um, replicate what you've done, right? You can't go out and find the exact same outfit. But yeah. you, can, you can replicate the feeling and the joy and yeah. the sense of um, identity that you can get from going to these secondhand clothing stores. I actually saw an interview w- with you where you were like, it's it's a beautiful thing because like this this piece of clothing once had a story and now I get to make a story in it and then one day I'll give it away and that will have a story. It's like this beautiful journey through a piece of clothing. Yeah, I using secondhand clothing as my vessel for storytelling is like something that I really came to see over the past couple of years is like literally what I was put on this planet to do, at least for right now. I love that so much. All right, so much to talk about. I want to get- What was the grind like growing the YouTube page? Because- Mm. Oh my gosh. When Hannah showed, like usually we go by Instagram. So we look at Instagram, I was like, oh wow, she has a big following. And then she's like, but look at her YouTube. And then I was like, whoa, I've never seen anybody- They're different worlds. Such a big YouTube following. But what was the- the grind like to to get from zero to like okay now i have a thousand i have five thousand were you trying to it was like it was like a weird journey because like i said my first ever youtube channel i started in 2010 and i grew that to like 10,000 subscribers like when i was a teen and like doing that stuff yeah and that was just me like i was an all-star cheerleader i would do my all-star cheer hair and makeup i that video went viral and got 300,000 views in 2010 and like was crazy and it was me it would literally look like it was filmed on a potato like all of my videos looked (laughs) like they were filmed on potatoes but that was a time when like no one was on the internet doing it but I was just like, oh my God, I was so obsessed with the fact that like, obviously I'd always looked at the entertainment industry as like this big, huge, amazing, untouchable thing. I don't have any connections to it. I I was like, what, how would I ever get that close to it? So when I started seeing people making YouTube videos, I was like, it did click in my mind where I was like, okay, like doing something like this, like could get me a seat at the table that I would have not have any other way. Mm-hmm. So I really saw it as an opportunity to get to where I wanted to go eventually But honestly, like I switched and I started my channel Blazed and Glazed in, I think, 2019, like a full year I was doing that before the pandemic hit and I started making TikToks. And it was definitely like a slow progression at first. I think it took like a couple, I mean, it it took me like probably like that whole first year to get to like my first like 30,000 subscribers. But then honestly, YouTube introduced YouTube shorts, which like catapulted me into like another dimension of growth because I just really seem to thrive in this like short form content, which I love making long form content though. It just takes a lot of time for me to like make and create, especially when I'm creating on all three platforms and trying to do that, trying to make like different content on all three platforms. It's a lot. YouTube's definitely the most, like you gotta be on your grind, like hard to grow platform, but it's also like super rewarding because your community is so strong. Like I find like my YouTube subscribers like when I meet them in person, like it's this connection like no other um, because people that watch YouTube, I don't know. I think they're a little smarter sometimes. I think they have a little more attention span happening. <laughs> no, I, I, and so I like, agree. You always, know, he's always like, why are you watching YouTube? I'm well, like, no. I don't want well, like to TikTok. I don't I have like to Instagram. Say, I have to say, after <laughs> being involved in YouTube now, yeah. it's truly impressive, but it says more about you because to get 30,000 subscribers in one year, it doesn't matter how hard you try, people are gravitating towards you. And that is so impressive because we we do it now and it's such a grind. It's a grind and YouTube's just always been that way. And I think it's because like, if you're going to make it on YouTube, it's because you were in it and like you were doing it for a long time. And 
short form definitely now that they're like pushing that on the platform really really helps but honestly in that first year I just like had so much to say I had stepped away from like talking about fashion which is something I love so much for so many years when I was going through recovery that like I was so hungry to be like you can wear whatever you want you can do whatever you want like I was so sick of like I feel like at that point I was so sick of seeing every single fashion influencer that I saw on the platform just being like dress like me to be cool lose 10 pounds to be cool like this is what's cool buy fast fashion and like I was just like I think people really just wanted something else. Well, you're authentic. And I was literally doing that in my studio apartment in Beverly Hills that I lived in at the time. I called it The Box. And I'm like, if you've been here from The Box days, like you are a real one. And I would literally just stand in my kitchen because all I had was my kitchen in my studio apartment and do thrift hauls and like shimmy around in fabulous clothes in the most unfabulous background. Because like people just gravitate towards people and like you can have the most beautiful setup in the world and whatever but like if you wait for that you're never going to start making content and like if you just want to express yourself just like press record express yourself and put it out there and be yourself fully be yourself because I feel like when I was online at first um when I was younger like obviously I wasn't as comfortable with myself and until I could really like lean into just it sounds so corny, but being me, that is like when I started to see, see like a community start to resonate with me for like the right reasons. The right reasons. I think we, we see this like replica of people across social media nowadays where it's the same thing and people are ingesting it and I think people are getting sick of it. And so they're gravitating towards people and personalities like yourself who are just so authentic and so genuine, which are like very key factors for, for our app of just being making sure that like you resonate with them in a way that it, it hits like core morals and values. It's not just like this shiny, pretty view of something. And sometimes that's messy. Like something for me, like that I even will sometimes get down on myself about and I have to like snap myself out of it is like, I am just such a like, all over the place, messy kind of person. I think, I mean, a lot of thrift girls are like, we're just like, we love to just like get down and dirty in the clothes. And like, for me, like it's always been more about like how we can make people feel through the clothes before it's like about how we look. Mm. So like sometimes, yeah, my nails aren't done and my hair's not perfect and I'm not wearing makeup and, but I have a sleigh outfit on and like, that's fine. And for a long time, like that would like hold me back sometimes from feeling good enough to like show up on camera. And I think once I just like threw that all away and was just like, I can show up however I want to show up. And some people are going to say, terrible things about the way I look because they totally do and some people are going to make terrible assumptions and say like she must be on crack to be acting so crazy without make like all this stuff like you just have to I don't know get okay with it because once I started like reading the comments of people that I was really reaching that were actually starting to feel so good about themselves because I was okay showing up yeah messy and just like as myself as a human it fucking just like makes me so happy. It gives me like a little bit of goosebumps just thinking about it because it's true. It's like we, especially as women, I can't speak to a, ma a male point of view, but like as women, we need to see that messiness of human because we wake up and we are that. And to see this like gilded perfection constantly shoved into your face, whether it be through like professional ad marketing, where it's rampant on social media nowadays, to see someone showing up as their authentic self and then you go, okay, I fucking look like that. Oh, I feel that way sometimes. Or the things that you've talked about with your eating disorder and depression, like, People feel that. People want to hear from somebody that they trust as well. And I needed that. Yeah, like, when I think back to when I was younger, I was like, oh, my God, what I wouldn't have given to, like, see someone doing what I wanted to do, like, out there, like, chasing their dreams and, like, in fashion, entertainment, doing these, like, th fabulous things. But, like, they're, they have depression. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, they're messy as fuck, and it's okay. <laughs> and, like, they're just saying it, and it's fine. And it doesn't mean they can't live a happy life, and it doesn't mean they can't be a positive person, and it doesn't mean they can't make their dreams come true. They're oh. just going to do it the way they're going to do it. What's that thing where they say it's like people don't post the the B-roll of their life, right? Like they only ever post like the absolute fucking highlights of it. And when people do post this quote unquote B-roll, as I said, it, it allows you to connect with somebody through a screen that much more. It's so beautiful. All right, I want to ask you 
because you're like the thrift goddess, that's I'm going to forever call you. I want to ask you a couple of questions about thrifting and I want to get your answers. What day of the week is the best to thrift? Is there a best day? Yeah. Well, it's going to depend where you are because where you are, like there's going to be different tag colors that are going to be on sale at your different thrift stores on your different days. So like get to know your spot, like get to know like what, what days they discount what. I personally like to go on senior days to the thrift store, whatever day that is at your thrift store. They give seniors a discount, but it means like more seniors are going to be there than probably like they're not looking for the same stuff as you you know what I'm saying so like I like to go on like a good senior day I like going honestly no matter what day it is right when they open like any day of the week but like when I wish the thrift store opened at 6 a.m. Like, please, like, I wish I would literally be there at 4 a.m. if they would let me. I'll do that for estate sales. But like most thrift store open at like 9 or 10, like get there when they open. I love that because that first hour at the thrift store when they open is like such a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty quiet. It's just like you, maybe like three other people and a couple employees, like, you know, some Christian soft rock or something in the background. And you just like flip, flip, flip. And but it is so nice. Flip through everyone. Mate's an eye. Yeah. I go through 50 and it's and time. I'm like, yeah, because you know, like once you know what can be hidden in there, once you have like swips of swipped and found like the most gorgeous like Versace top for $3, like that will always stick in your mind and you'll be like, I that could be within here. And if I don't keep looking, like how will I ever know? It adds fuel to your fire, but also at the oh my God, same, it really you have, does. Like, the, the most minute patience for shopping. So it's like, I can understand why thrifting sure. is perhaps not a real thing. But I feel like sure. when you like kind of switch it to not shopping, but like treasure hunting, scavenger hunting. For. I've I, never bought a piece of clothing for myself, really. That's true. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm, I'm teaching yeah, you. I don't I'm, know what I'm Good you help for. her. Yeah. I don't know. We're helping you, darling. Um, <laughs> all right, first major piece that you ever found, thrifting. Oh, my gosh. This, like, blue. I don't know the exact Louis Vuitton style. We've looked it up. Um, I've had my sister look it up. It was, like, a blue, light pastel blue, kind of almost, like, patent Louis Vuitton uh pouchette bag and i got it at the salvation army by my mom's house in dayton ohio from behind the counter for literally under ten dollars and that was in probably like that was like probably in like 2011 2012 like very much so when most of the girls that now think thrifting is cool like were making fun of me for it Mm. and so like they weren't there getting the lv bags you know Uh, now that would probably be so much more expensive at like some thrift store but back then like literally nothing but that was like one that like sent me into another dimension Oh my god, it would have me too. I'm yeah. like, oh my god. All right, what's the weirdest or like most bizarre thing that you've ever found? My old assistant, uh, before my sister came and started working for me, found it wasn't my find, it was her find, but it was too incredible. She found this like camera and like something you should always do. Like, if you find a camera and have a feeling about it at the thrift store, like either get it or plug it in or like if there's a memory card in it, like you need to see what's on that memory card. So like she got the camera and she put the memory card into her, into her, uh, in her computer. And it was literally like a self tape that a man had made in like the early nineties. He had like a whole matrix vibe on. He was so <laughs> in character and it was just like him doing his self tape. Like literally I swear auditioning for the matrix. Like it was too much. He had like a black trench coat on the sunglasses and everything. He was like a 50 year old man. And it was so nineties. It was so beautiful because you could actually really feel his passion in the tape. Like it was oh really God, like, giving so for me <laughs> and like honestly it was unhinged okay and so good <laughs> that is like that's incredible and i really want to see that tape one day um all right metaphorical gun to your head if you absolutely had to choose would you pick estate sales or thrift stores thrift stores 
thrift stores because they are just tried and true and like they are like everywhere in every city so many and like estate sales are amazing they are time capsules they are crazy they're incredible mm -hmm. but the ones we have here in LA are better than they are anywhere else in the world so like for me it has to be a thrift store and I'm just like a born and raised born and bred on the racks can you walk me through an estate sale so I saw I, I, I did my research as well on your YouTube and I saw the estate sales. So you go into somebody's house who dies and, t and they, they just give her stuff away or his stuff away? Okay, so, so estate sales. Let me just give well, like no, a... That's no, what, no, no. That's what I saw. I was like, this is pretty cool if you get into a rich person's house. Yeah, so estate sales are basically like when either the three Ds of the estate sale world are like death, divorce, and downsizing. And so it'll be if someone passes, if there's like a big divorce, or if someone is just like downsizing and moving away to another place. <laughs> it's all right um, unfiltered podcast and so basically like the person's family will maybe like contact an estate sale company and they'll be like hey like i really need help because obviously like when someone passes for instance like it can be so traumatic to have to go through and like a whole entire house especially if they were like a hoarder or like just had so much stuff or like you had a complicated relationship with that family member like people don't always want to do that themselves so estate sale companies will come in and they'll price everything and they'll merchandise it and they'll literally set up a sale so that will like raise money i think a lot of people don't know this like for the family that will usually go towards like the estate or like helping have a funeral or something like that there's so many honestly shitty parts to death obviously and like having to pick up all the pieces of your loved one's life like isn't usually what someone wants to do when they're grieving so estate sale companies will come in and they'll like make it this shoppable incredible time capsule for other people while raising money for the family so it's super circular it's so incredible because like you'll walk into some of these houses and be like holy shit like all this stuff would just go to the landfill mm -hmm. if like we weren't in here like digging through grandma's underwear drawers and pulling out Dior, like Dior slips. Like I do that all the time. Like here in LA, they're obviously, like I said, incredible, like because there's so many good ones to go to. We went to Alex Trebek's, Amy and I did. We went to Alex Trebek's estate sale? We did, like literally, um, when was that? Last year. And I happened to be friends with the woman that's company was running the sale. So we got to go to the day before it opened to the public, which was crazy because it was an estate sale that brought out like people from all over oh, the country, sure. drove to it and yeah my friend amy got his personal director's chair it's in her studio but and i this stuff? uh the the estate sale company sale. but is it, is it like is it a thrift store price or is it like a it depends on the estate price? sale it totally depends on the estate sale you'll go to one that's like literally like a picker's paradise where like everything's a dollar to twenty dollars and it's literally crazy and then you'll go to some more like high-end ones like the alex trebek one that like things were obviously priced because he was an icon and things were literally like memorabilia but still so much cheaper than like you're going to slash things you're never going to find anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? I do find estate sales like cheaper than like an antique store, like a vintage store and stuff like that. Estate sales have really, really good deals to be had, especially because they discount as the days go. You know, first day full price, second day, 75, 50% off, 75% oh, off, it goes on. Um, but yeah, I walked away with one of his like track suits that like there's photos of him wearing. It's like this white, really cool track suit that I will literally have in my closet for the rest of my life. Like a TV icon. It's a piece of history. Could yeah. Estate sale? It yeah, was we incredible. Could definitely well, we'd have to all let's all let's, go to an estate sale. We went epic. with you though. Oh my god, that would just be like it's a good time. Holy shit, it's I, a good I, time. I remember I went to one out in Palm Springs and it was beautiful. Like, Palm Springs, yeah, good too. The stuff that they had in Palm Springs was wild. Um, all right, a little tiny birdie tells me that you have something of a thrift bible coming out soon. Yeah, I'm are we allowed to talk about it? Can you talk about it? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's talk about it. What yeah. is it? Okay, so I am this year. Oh my gosh, in September. 
my ultimate guide to thrifting. It's called Second Chances. The ultimate guide to thrifting sustainable style and expressing your most authentic self is, yeah, coming out in September. And it's crazy. It's like a first of its kind book just fully encompasses the whole entire secondhand shopping world with my like personal story very much so intertwined throughout it's like equal parts like so many tips and tricks and stories perspectives from people you know talking about thrifting through gender expression and for different body types I definitely like interviewed so many people that I look up to and also love in the thrifting and fashion community and then it's also like an insane collage like picture book like it's full of just like Nikon shot really sick photos that I mean just like tell the story of a, a zillion pieces of used clothing and I can't even believe it's real. Um, all right, I want to completely switch gears here because you did touch on this earlier and I, after all of the research that I did on you and for, from following you for the last couple of years, I think it's so insanely beautiful how open you are with your recovery from eating disorder and also depression. My mother, as I was growing up, actually was uh, battling anorexia and depression. So I saw it firsthand how like the short-term, long-term kind of recovery of that. And I was also a model for 15 years. So you're talking about you're like, fashion. It's like I was yeah. literally told, I'm 5'11", I was told 115 pounds, 120 pounds is where you have to cap it, cannot go over that. And I, I never really kind of struggled with it so heavily, but the mental game of it was so like such a struggle. So why do you think that it's so important for you to share your recovery and your journey through this? I think because like you said, it's, well, it's something that's getting more okay to talk about now, but it was, like, so taboo for so long. And also, like, I just it, – it's something that's, like, so raw and so real and so many, not just women, but people in general, and not just thin white women, but literally any body type human being you could think of goes through. But we, like, have this very specific lens of, like, what an eating disorder looks like that's been, like, kind of portrayed in media. So, like, I just think it's so important to talk about just to, like, share that – it's stuff that we've all gone through, but also like, I don't know. It's, it's a very messy thing. And honestly, I started talking about it on YouTube. Probably I sh probably shouldn't have even been talking about it right. And smack dab in the middle of like, when I first started like thinking like I need to start getting a hold on this for myself. Like I said, literally the moment for me was when I first moved to LA quite a few years ago and I was sitting in the box, my studio apartment. And I literally broke down crying on the ground after like ripping myself to shreds for like the majillionth time in my life. Just sitting there being like, I live in this place where all my dreams were supposed to come true. I was supposed to be so happy once I moved from Ohio to here and got out. Why am I not? Because I'm not happy with myself. And that was actually like the first video I made on YouTube in a long time when I actually just uploaded a video talking about that, that like started getting a lot of attention where people were like, oh my God, me too. Especially because there's not a lot of people that are like adults talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's something that's really, I don't know. It was, I feel like it's more looked at as like, oh, teen, teens yeah. going through it and talking about it. And there's not a lot of resources at least for people that are doing it on their own as adults and just trying to get through it. And I feel like talking about it is like a huge just step in like, it not being taboo like it not being something that we all have to like hide away and hush hush about have you ever gotten any criticism or judgment for, for sharing it online I I'm, uh, yeah I mean I've, I've gotten hate comments about like anything you could ever think about but I think for me I just feel so strongly about being honest about who I am mm -hmm. and I, I my eating disorder started when I was six years old um mm -hmm. so for me like I was also you know diagnosed with depression anxiety when I was six so for me that's just such a core part of who I am. And I also want people to know that like, I feel like we try to put like a really pretty bow on recovery. And one thing I get a lot of 
questions on is like, when will I be recovered? Or like, when will you be recovered? Do you consider yourself recovered? And I'm like, oh my God, just take all the pressure off of that for yeah. yourself. Because honestly, it's a journey. It's something I never, I'm probably never going to say like, oh my God, I am fully recovered now. Because even when I'll have an amazing couple of months, like something will knock me down where I'll feel like, oh my God, like, why am I trying to make myself small? Not even physically, but just like so much of my eating disorder um, there, yes, there was the physical, but so much, it's a mental thing. Like it is so mental. And when you're in that mindset, like it's really hard to be kind to yourself, to be kind to others, to think about anything but yourself. Cause it's such a selfish disease or illness, honestly, yeah. like it makes you really, really just think about yourself, which is just like, honestly, like a terrible way to live, like not being able to like have empathy for others and like to see outside of yourself and to see how it's affecting your life in so many different ways. Um, and I just really trapped though. There's yeah. Like, as you said, that there's so heavily like a mental game when it comes to that. And like my mother just turning 60 this year and she still tells me the exact same thing. She's like, you never really, it's not that you never really fully recover from it. You get better at handling it. She's yeah. like, but you will have bad periods and bad moments where you just, you realize that like, it's so easy to get trapped in your own mind. Um, but the fact, like I said, like the fact that you share it out loud and you give people hope and a little bit of direction of being like, listen, baby, if I can do it, you can do it. And here are the things that have helped me and X, Y, and Z. Like, I think it's just so important. In fact, one of my mum's favorite quotes, I actually wrote it down here by Robin Williams, who Ugh. I'll always adore. Uh, I cried always. For, I cried for like a week when he died. Um, but it says, I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make other people happy mm -hmm. because they know what it feels like to feel absolutely worthless and they don't want anyone else to ever feel that way. Do you relate to that? I, I think that I, from a young age, liked making other people happy because I felt so unhappy on the inside and I never wanted other people to feel that way. And then as I started gaining a following of mostly young women I didn't want any of them to ever feel that way. I have two younger sisters as well. And like, I don't want them to ever feel that way. Like it is, it's something that, yeah, I feel like I'm like put on this planet to do. And also like, yeah, I don't mind airing my dirty laundry. Even if people judge me, it's like literally what the fuck ever. We all have a basket of it. And like, it's, you know, it's That's just it. who I am. All right. What piece of advice would you give to people out there? Or like words of encouragement who are kind of a little bit trepidous of starting the journey of recovery? Honestly, the first thing that I did for myself and the first thing that I try to tell a lot of people is to not even like, because it, it's such a big thing to bite off and like chew. Mm -hmm. Like it's huge. It's huge. Especially when you've been going through it for so many years, for a, a, most of your life. It is so hard. For me, like the first thing I tried to do um, outside of like the physical stuff was just to like, you know, just eat because like so many people just say that. For me, it was like trying to eliminate the bad talk about myself, speaking to myself in a negative way. That was something I felt way too okay with. And it's something I feel like so many people feel way too okay with, oh. just like shitting on themselves. Let's just not do that. So that can be really hard, especially for people that have eating disorders. Like it's so ingrained in your mind. You have literally a little voice in the back of your head telling you all of these terrible things about yourself, especially if you also struggle with body dysmorphia. That's like a whole layer of just like lies in your brain and then they come out of your mouth at yourself it's so awful and I think the number one thing I would say is like trying to eliminate that shit talk and even if at first you can't replace that with nice things because that can be a whole beast of its own like trying to say kind things about yourself yeah. in a way that doesn't feel awful and corny to you but like it's gonna feel cheesy at first but that's okay <laughs> because it did for me too just getting up in the morning and really catching yourself when you try to say those, when you say those mean things about yourself, cutting it out, be like, oh my God, no, like, stop it. I do not deserve this. And so then trying to say nice things to yourself, just don't, just say, don't say the mean stuff. Yeah, just don't say mean and stuff. then you can like enter into the, like adding in nice things about yourself, because I think that's really important to do. Um, but at first just try to cut off that, like shit talking on yourself mm. because 
it is just, it's just like gonna poison you. Like it was just poisoning me. Like I thought it was so normal to just like hate on myself all the time. And it's like, how do you expect to get anywhere? How do you expect to like be able to ever build yourself up if you're just constantly like- Walking around like being literally. What, what is the biggest battle with needing this for? Is it, is it <clears throat> your physical appearance? Is that, or I is think it more of a mental thing? It's a more of a mental thing. I think so much of it is about control for a lot of people. I grew up in like a really chaotic household and when I was six years old, like the first thing I remember is like, not to like be so gross, like TMI, but like chewing my food when I was six years old and then like holding it in my mouth and like just going upstairs after dinner and just spitting it out. And like sure. literally not knowing why I was doing that, but just feeling this sense of anxiety that like I had to put somewhere and putting it there. Mm -hmm. And then I think as I got a little older and like was in school with girls and bodies were changing, I started my period when I was nine years old. So my body wow. started changing like a lot more rapidly than other girls. And I think I just started to feel really insecure. I also... I don't speak to my dad. He's like a raging narcissist, but he also started like making comments about my body at a young age that really started to make me aware that like, okay, like we're not supposed to be putting on more weight or we're supposed to look a certain way. And so I think that control that I had started like doing as a young child then trickled into me understanding that that was a connection to my physical mm -hmm. body. Um, so I think for me, it like wasn't about the physical at all. But then like, obviously, as like our world, that's so fucking skinny obsessed started and especially in like the 90s and early 2000s, oh, like that's it. all it was. And like even my mom, like I love her to death, but like she was so entrenched in like the diet culture and stuff then like, you know, I'll have a little bit of your food, but only in like a little dish. You know what I mean? And like that me thinking that was like normal behavior getting pushed into you subconsciously and then it comes out as a conscious effort and oh and like a little voice also i want to say like something if that can really help when you're starting recovery is also to like really be the your ed, the own editor-in-chief of your instagram and like unfollow anyone that makes you feel bad about yourself it's literally nothing on them i had to unfollow some people that i absolutely love because i had to be so real with myself of if i was comparing if i was thinking negative stuff about myself as i looked at them and then refollow people of different body types of different perspectives with different shit to say because that helped me so much. It helped me start to like unlearn my own inner fat phobia that I just had no idea existed within me. This idea of why do I feel like gaining weight is the worst thing that I could possibly do? Like, why do we think that? That's something that so many of us have ingrained in us, um, even if we don't think of it like that. And so for me, like following all these other voices online that were talking about body acceptance and talking about you know, getting comfortable in your body, no matter what it looks like and celebrating it, no matter what it looks like and really beauty being any size, like these concepts that now obviously like in our like social, so, social media age that are, you know, preached so much and put on like Instagram graphics so much, it doesn't sound as groundbreaking, but like, I feel like, you know, I'm 31. So like for me, like so much of my growing up was like in the nineties and early two mm thousands -hmm. where like, that wasn't what people were saying. No. We were just opening magazines. We didn't have like social media to look at in that way. And other people to see, we only saw who the media was propping up, which was thin white, white women. women. Yeah. So like it, unfollowing, people that make you feel like shit about yourself and then following people with other things to say so you can start seeing outside of yourself, I think is huge when you're going through recovery. Because like I said, it's so selfish. It's so me, me, me. You're so in your own brain. Listening to other people and like starting to really like realize why do I feel this way about bodies in general was huge for me, honestly. Honestly, maybe even huger than like let's just get eating again, like was for me really understanding why I felt this way in the first place about gaining weight. 
I think what you just said though, I mean, so very true in terms of people trying to recover, but then also anybody that's struggling with like this comparison culture that we we exist within nowadays, is that's wonderful advice. In fact, I think I'm going to take your advice and probably unfollow. I don't even think people. it's for comparison culture. I think it's for everything. Politics. Yeah. Racism. Yeah. Follow people different than you. Follow people, people that you. have different things to say and have different lived experiences mm -hmm. because, like, it is like how empathy grows, and we just like need that's, more of that more than that's ever. That's like the biggest Couldn't thing when I go back home to my family. Like, we live in a small town. They all think the same, and they think I'm weird because I'm in LA yeah. or New York City. And I'm like, no, I just have different perspectives. You guys have the same perspective. You need to talk to people who think differently yeah. than you because you're not always right. Yeah, and, and like it's... just because it hasn't something hasn't affected you or your immediate family or your friends doesn't mean it's not real. No, at a lot of people out there. <laughs> <laughs> so very true, darling. All right, I want to again switching gears. I want to talk about your partner Tyler. You guys have been together for 12 years, yeah. which I feel like anywhere is a monumental achievement, but especially um, existing within a place like Los Angeles for the last couple of years. So how did y'all meet? Joe loves meet cute stories. Oh my so God. Yeah. Okay. We have a good one. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 So we yeah. met our first year of college in Ohio at Ohio that? University Ohio, okay. at a frat party. My oh. freshman, our freshman year, I was 19 and he was 18. This was in 2012. And yeah, we, oh my God. Okay. This is so crazy. Okay. So we ended up being from the same hometown, but we didn't know this at the time, which was like two hours away from our college. We literally like grew up 20 minutes away from each other our whole lives. And like my grandparents would like take me to the bird store that his mom owned. Like I had no idea. We had no idea. So I was at a party like with my girlfriends bopping around was getting creeped on by like a super creepy older guy, you know, hitting on the freshman girls. Yeah. I was just like, I can't deal with this man. And then this like boy came up to me. And, like, he had, like, a whole freshman getup on, like, a lanyard, like, cargo shorts, like, the whole thing. I was, like, oh, my God, the most harmless-looking human I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and he just, like, came up to me, and he was, like, literally, I don't know how he got the balls to say this because, like, I'm his first girlfriend ever. Like, I, you know, I'm his first everything. And so, like, he came up to me. He told me that he had just, like, given himself a big pep talk before this party being, like, I'm finally going to just, like, start talking to girls. And, like, I'm just going to, like, get confident and, like, do my thing. So he tells me you know, that he had seen me, he comes up to me and he's like, I have seen you walking around campus like all last semester with your friends. And like, you just like radiate happiness and you're always just like laughing and smiling with people. And like, I just wanted to meet you. And I was just like, I mean, I was kind of drunk and I was just like, honestly, you're so harmless. Like we can keep talking if you'll pretend to be my boyfriend because this guy will not stay away from me. So like, I was like, if you pretend, which is probably like everything he this wanted to hear. He was like, oh, he, super bad. Yeah, he's like everything he wanted to hear. I was like, if you pretend to be my boyfriend, like we can keep talking. And he's well, like, he oh, okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. So then we like started talking and we realized we were literally from the same hometown. And like I, my one of my good friends in high school was like, dating his stepbrother and like we just had so many connections and we literally just like hit it off so much we stayed up talking the whole night I really loved that like he didn't try to have sex with me like sorry like in college like in the midwest like everyone's drunk like that's what's happening and so like I was just like this is nice like he didn't even try to kiss me like it just felt I don't know like different and I just yeah we started dating like literally a month later and have been together for so long. I mean, it's been so many ups and downs. We, after we graduated college, packed up our car with no jobs and nowhere to live and no family and no nothing and literally drove to Los Angeles because he knew I wanted to just like be in the entertainment industry and that I was going to go after my dreams no matter what. He's in finance and accounting, so he can do that anywhere. And we just like stayed in an Airbnb for a month, got jobs, started making our lives. And now like we've lived here for like six, seven years and like 
I couldn't imagine doing life with anyone else. I never saw this for myself. Like I said, I came from, you know, a, like a broken home of like being like, I am just going to go do my thing. Like I am just like going to, you know, go after my career and I'm not going to have a man involved in anything. And then like I met him and like he just like, you know, got me That's so fast. A lot of crossover so too. Because I feel like. You wanted to live your dream, and he really loved you. So yeah. he sacrificed because that's what Hannah does for me. I she, I have my dream, and she <laughs> helps. But yeah. no, you know what? I really like the courage that he he built up to talk to you because yeah. that's one of the things I don't miss being single. I missed about being single was you don't know what's gonna happen, and you just build up this this card where it's like this could go sour, this could go bad, but maybe it could work. And that instant moment of hey, I'm Joe. It's like. What's gonna happen? It literally changed our lives. Like, it's so crazy. He literally had never had a girlfriend, had never, like, anything with girls, like, was 18 years old, and which just he told me that that night he told himself, like, if I see her, I'm going to say something. That's and amazing. then he's like, you walked in, and I was like, okay, like, you can't be a pussy anymore. Like, you have to say something. Because he'd seen me the whole other semester, like, walking around all the time. Like, we had the same classes pass where, like, he would just pass me. And I had no idea. He was just, like, watching me. But, like, <laughs> you know, and I can't even believe it. Like, it's, it's really crazy. And he's my best friend in the whole entire world um like literally like my partner at life we I get asked all the time like why aren't you guys married yet and I'm just like honestly like he it's just never been like so important to us like we're just like partners and we have each other's back and like we trust each other literally forever and ever and you know, it'll happen when it happens. I had to like make my dreams come true first. Did that was sure. very for me. Like I, you know, growing up, I was like never dreaming of my wedding. I was dreaming of my TV show and my book. So like got to birth right. those first. Ooh, yeah, babe. I love that you just answer so many of my questions. Like I have all these questions written down and you just answer them anyway. Cause I was going to ask about marriage as well. But it's true. My, my brother and uh, I call her my sister-in-law cause they've been together since yeah. I was 13. But um, they've been together 20 years. Two kids. Never. No, they're like, they're, we're engaged, but we're not really like. I think for me, it's it. just like, yeah, I never grew up like dreaming of what this wedding would look like mm. or anything like that. And now, like, I, I feel like I'm just like, oh, my gosh, all of it sounds like too much for me. Like, I just would like, we'll probably just like elope or something. We were talking to Amy earlier. We, yeah. we got married at the Beverly Hills Courthouse. That's at 9 a.m. my Friday vibe. Morning. It was like, so that's beautiful. That's the vibe. And I got married in a thrifted dress. I, I will be doing that I, as well. I knew that you would. A hundred percent. I just like, I need the casual vibe, especially because we both like have... Ugh, family situation so I'm just like we don't have like I don't want to do a big thing I just want to like do our thing because like our life has just been us doing us together and until my sister moved out here a year ago like it was just us I mean it was us in that you know literal studio apartment in Beverly Hills for the first three years we moved here pretty miserable for a lot of that time but also like so happy because we just had each other and like we were just building our lives and for us like breaking generational trauma and like building a life that makes us happy and like having our puppy freddy like that is just what's freddy oh my god dog the sweetest little super mutt you have ever seen yeah mostly chihuahua and poodle but <sighs> I have a, a chihuahua, dream I have a chihuahua we have so much crossover here a little studio apartment beverly hills yeah little uh yeah parallel lives my darling all right so i i think we hear from a lot of people and a lot of professionals on the show about like communication is key oh yeah how, how <laughs> this deal, it's the thing reaction. i was about to say how big of a part of life do you think that or a relationship do you think that is like almost all of it yeah. like i think that trust and like mutual respect i feel like communication trust and mutual respect are like my three pillars, three pillars. and like 
laughing a fuck ton like that as well like he makes me laugh a lot and I am hilarious so you know it's great to, <laughs> great to live with me too but yeah no communication was the thing that I feel like when we moved because we never lived together until we moved here so we dated in college for like the years of college and then we moved out here moved in together and I feel like for the first year like it was more rocky than it had ever been like in college because obviously there it was like you know whatever like we're hanging out we live with our friends like we're you know together when we want to be and really like getting down each other's like communication styles and like actually more so him like I'm an over communicator like I grew up in a house just full of women like all we did was talk and yell and Same. talk about our feelings and he grew up in a home where they didn't really do that and he never really expressed himself at all so it was a lot of me like giving him the space to start being able to like express himself and like share his feelings with me and get uncomfortable, get comfortable doing that before we could like really, I feel like get to the place we are now. Like communication is literally everything. Black women are great. And knowing how to communicate with each other yeah. to your point, like again, parallel lives. Like he grew up in a house with four boys. Um, I grew up in a very like um, not emotional household, kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's like very tumultuous, but also just like so much communication, so much trying to like communicate your feelings. So when we first got together, that was like a, because I'm always like, like we would have these fights. Like when we first moved here, we're like, he would literally just want to like leave the apartment. And I'd be like, but I want to tell you everything. Like I want to talk this, right now. Like I want to talk about this right now. Yeah. And that was a lot of me like feeling like I'm right in this. And then having to realize, no, sometimes I have to give him that space. But like, as long as we have the mutual understanding that like, I need us to then come back together and just talk about this. Like it has to be a give and a take. It has to be. And then that mutual respect has to be there. Like our number one thing since I come from a house where like there was a lot of cussing at each other and like calling of names like between my and like verbal abuse and stuff like that for us it's like really important that like we don't like say any of that shit to each other like he's never gonna like call me a bitch because like absolutely not like we're not gonna use certain words with each other that one like trigger both of us and also that's just like something we've had to come to like on our own and then I think also always realizing that and always remembering that your partner who loves you so much is not ever trying to come from a bad place. Mm -hmm. That was such a key thing with us in communicating was that, for, you know, sometimes you just like, for some reason, assume that they're trying to make you feel awful or coming from the worst place when so it's like- the closest person to you. So it, you're like, why are you hurting me so much? Yeah, and you're like, well, I have to walk it back and remind myself that like, okay, even if I'm hearing this this way, he probably wasn't trying to make me feel like shit about myself because why would he be? Like, mm -hmm. he loves me more than anything. Yeah. So I think reminding yourself that because it can be so easy to, like, get heated and be like, oh, my God, like, they're trying, like, you trying to make me upset. Why would you say that that way? Yeah. And, like, remembering that, like, sometimes it's because they had a shitty day or whatever. Like, always remembering that there's other factors in the communication and that I think coming to the core of, like, we're never trying to, like, hurt yeah, each other. Like, we're always coming from a place of love, even if it's not, like, what you want to hear. Like, it's from a place of love. And we always talk about that. Like, we should treat each other as best friends because I yeah. would never just yell at my best friends all the time for no. bothering me. No. Um, so I think the fact never that... Never call my best friend a bitch. Yeah, no. The fact, the fact that your partner is your best friend, my partner is my best friend, like, you should, like you said, no, we're not trying to hurt each other. We're just communicating in the wrong way which can get lost in like a big fight like it can get lost like you know feeling like if you're fighting with someone like definitely dialing back and yeah remembering like this person loves me so much like they're probably not trying to hurt me like let's let's, let's come down from this and kind of like communicate on that level yeah. now in that understanding and that was like something that took time for us to figure out and I mean that's also like when you start a relationship so young obviously like your communication changes and your styles change and like what you need changes so much and those growing pains but yeah having communication and like the mutual respect for each other 
Um, and what, and that's huge for me. I knew I needed a partner that like really, really respected what I do and who I am and what I do can look a little silly and goofy sometimes <laughs> from the outside. So like, I know I couldn't have no judgmental man being like, well, stop playing dress up for a living. But like, he got it. He was like, oh, we're going to move to LA and you're going to play dress up for a living. And it's going to make you, it's going to make all your dreams come true. Like exactly. And he just like believed in me so hard. Like I knew he saw me in that way. And I didn't feel like anyone had ever seen me in that way. I also had never felt safe like a day in my life and being with someone that like actually made me feel so safe. Like I think it broke my like, or maybe just melted my kind of it tin broke, heart into pieces. Yeah. Of, uh, that's yeah. so beautiful. And I love the fact that you guys are like opposites. So, like he's in finance and accounting. Oh yeah. You play dress up for a living and it's, yeah. like, it truly is opposite to track no he's like on his zoom meetings like with like corporate france and i'm like running around the house in, the in my underwear like throwing a fur coat around being like... <laughs> i love that so much all right i'll ask you two more questions about this so what is your favorite unconventional date idea that you and tyler have done or that you more, think more people oh my gosh an unconventional, unconventional date well i will say like i mean maybe not unconventional for us but like take your man thrifting. First of all, that was something when we started doing, that was a fun thing for us to go do for him. Cause we're always doing it for me. So it was fun to do it for him. Um, we don't do a lot of unconventional dates. We smoke a lot of weed and watch a lot of movies. Like that's, Sounds like a that's to me. pretty much what I can get into these days. I love that so much. All right. So if Tyler could set up the perfect date for you, what would the drink, what would the time and what would the place be? Oh my gosh. Honestly, can it be like a, like a getaway for a moment date. Anything that you want. Because there's this place in Palm Springs called Coracaya that we absolutely love. It's like very like Mediterranean vibes, but like in Palm Springs, like you feel like you're in Greece, but you're just two hours away. Um, we'd go there. It'd be early in the morning because I'm an early morning girl. We are an early morning family. Like we like to get up and like do everything in the morning. So we'd get up early and we'd drive to Palm Springs and he'd take me to Angel View Thrift Store. And then we'd go to Coracaya and I'd drink espresso and then a kin. And then we'd smoke weed and we'd watch a movie or like lay in the sun. <laughs> like we like to relax. Like we both are just like always like doing shit all the time that like when we may have to make that time to be together, but like doing shit in the same house, but like not together, you know? So like, I feel like honestly, no matter what we're doing, like as long as we're together and we're kind of like turning off our phones, like I feel like that's a big thing. I, I don't need much. Oh babe, I love that. Yeah. So much. I really hope Simple that, that vibes. True. Simple vibes. Simple vibes. I yeah. love that so much. Um, all right, we're gonna play a little. We're gonna play a couple of games. Yeah, I'm right? excited for the game. So we're gonna play this. How well do you know yourself? You already answered the first one. I knew this was gonna be a softball, regardless. But you already answered it earlier. But I'm gonna ask it anyway. What was the What was your original YouTube channel name? Yeah, Fashion House Hetero Nine, baby. You knew it. Okay. In an interview with Ryan Seacrest in 2022. <sighs> What did the bag behind you say? Oh, I heart Botox. Oh, oh my God. I was going to say, because I've I've been on Seacrest twice. And the, I remember the first time I went on him seeing that and him bringing up, oh my God, <laughs> so I've never funny. had Botox. And I was just remember getting off that and being like, he's lying, right? Like, I'm just like, I'm just like, you've looked the same since I was 15. So I don't know about that. I have a strong suspicion that he's either had Botox or he's a vampire. It might be the vampire one, but he was so nice. And that was honestly, as like an American Idol stan, that was one of the best moments of my life. Was it has was going on his show and then getting asked to come back on the show last th this past year. Like, dead. I loved you so much. Like, so much. But I was like, you happened. brought up the Botox. Like, he was like, is that I heard Botox? Never had it before. I was like, are you just trying to squash rumors in this interview right now? <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. All right. What was the title of the book your bestie found at an estate sale that you said, quote, Wait, stop. The text is so gross, but the photos are slay. Oh, my gosh. Well, it was Amy. Um, oh, was it you? Yeah, it was. We recreated it and shot the whole thing. It was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. The title of it. The title of it. 
don't you dare give her a hint. We changed it to like shake that shimmy or like yeah, but what was shimmy original, that shake. Original title. You put your hand down. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember like the cover because we shot it. What was the cover? It was like, it's like a, it's like a four, four mm-hmm. photos and it's like a working out 80s vibes. Yes. And we changed it to like how to shake that shimmy or shimmy that, how to shrink that waist. Mm-mm. Shrink, how to sh- <laughs> <laughs> Can I phone a friend? Yeah, you can phone a friend. Go. How to flatten your stomach. Oh my God. I knew it was like shrinking, flattening, like <laughs> making yourself words. smaller. You that was very close. That was my one of my favorite things I've like that projects we've ever done. The fact that you decided to has house. Yeah. We got we found now, that at Alex Trebek's house. It says Amy Bean in the thing yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So last one. You did an op-ed with Stylecaster in 2021. Do you remember the seven tips that you gave for thrifting? LOL. No. But <laughs> I'm sure one of them was like give the good to get the good. That was one of them. I'm sure one of them was um, oh my gosh. Let's get four, four out of seven. Okay. Something about having your inspo in hand, I'm sure. Gather your, in- Gather inspo, your inspo. Okay, hold on. Gather your inspo. Um, um, be something about like making sure to be like compassion, it's not the right word, but to like um be right. thoughtful about like uh the the sections that you're thrifting. I remember I said something Keep ab- compassion, empathy, and size privilege in mind. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and it's crazy because I referenced this article like when I was writing my book uh proposal that I had to write before I got my book deal and like referenced this because I'm pretty sure this article is like how my editor found me and offered me the book because she like saw me writing yeah, about it. Um oh my god, okay, what was another one? Gather your inspo. Check the time or the day <laughs> or something. I'm sure I, uh, I said something like that. Do you Seven want me to read them out to you? Yeah. Okay, so do your research. Do your research. Uh, gather your inspo. Give the good, get the good. Dress the part. See an item for what it but can, can be. But it can be not for what it is. What just it is. hang on the hanger. And keep compassion, empathy, and privilege. And Have um, fun. Be yourself. Do you. do you. Yeah. Have fun. Be yourself. Do you. That's basically the same thing. Yeah. The book is like all of that on steroids to the max. Oh, my God cannot wait to read yeah. it. So that exciting. was a really fun piece for me to write. That piece is like what made me even feel confident in being able to write the book because I'd been interviewed for like, from like a bunch of publications at that time, but never asked to like write my own piece for one. So that was really fun, honestly. Oh, I love that. All right, we're going to play first thing that comes to mind. So I'm going to say a word. You tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Bras. Fuck no. <laughs> Sneaker heels. Absolutely, yes. Makeup. Oh. <laughs> that could be a word too. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, uh, it can be nice sometimes. <laughs> I have some on right now, and like I don't even know how I feel about it. So, Lexi, best friend, shimmy, shake, mm. latex, sweat, <laughs> ass sweat, <laughs> swamp booty, like <laughs> Freddie, angel. Okay, we're gonna play thrifting edition of Fuck Mary. Oh Kill. my god, yes. Okay. So, these are not all of the top thrift stores, but these are just ones that you've mentioned in your videos. I love how researched you are. Oh my god, I, this is a good interview. A deep dive. Thank you very yeah. much, darling. Okay, so thrift stores: It's a Wrap, Play Clothes, and Goodwill. Fuck my kill. Okay, um, I'm going to kill. It's a Wrap, and I'm going to fuck Play Clothes, and I'm gonna marry Goodwill. I love that. Mm-hmm. Jackets, leather. Faux fur, denim. 
Okay, I'm going to kill denim. Literally, no. I am going to marry leather, and I'm going to fuck over. Love it. Accessories, statement hats, vintage sunnies, designer handbags. Oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even... It was sunnies, bags, and which? Statement hats. hats. Okay, vintage. hats can go. I, I look like a penis when I put hats on. <laughs> I am going to marry sunnies and just, like, fuck designer bags. Sunnies are my everything. If I could wear sunnies a la Rachel Zoe, 24-7, I would. Maybe when I get, like, a little Incredible. more up there. <laughs> All right. Last one, vintage. Vintage Forever 21, Vintage Charlotte Russe, Vintage Abercrombie. Oh my god, I love this. Okay, Vintage Abercrombie can get out. Bye, we don't need you. Um, I'll like get around with like fucking some Charlotte Russe and marrying Vintage Forever 21, which is hilarious because I worked at Forever 21 in high school and like it was like one of the most traumatic jobs I've ever had. Like literally they would keep us in the mall. Like I was literally a teenager. They would keep us in the mall till like two o'clock in the morning, like cleaning the store and like doing the craziest stuff. And I hated it, but the vintage pieces are good. Okay, fun fact. I was actually a model for Forever 21 for a long time. I was like on some of their campaigns and did all that shit. The inner workings were just as horrible. No, as terrible. 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 The behind the scenes, was, I mean, and I don't even know how they still exist now, to be honest, but like, barely. it was barely terrible. Horrible, man. It was bad working conditions. And also, they're like, I mean, I don't know if they're in the same studio, but there was literally like walking through a mental hospital. Yeah. Like, it was just white walls yeah. and then glass. And yeah. like, everybody was just like, it was weird. Was so upset. I did oh, not God. like it. Mm-mm. All right, we're going to play one last little game and then we're done. It's oh rapid God, fire. So, quick, short answers. Biggest mis- misconception. The biggest misconception that people have about you? About me? Oh my gosh. I don't know. Honestly, I, I think the biggest misconception that people had about me when I first started TikTok was that I was like some rich girl with daddy's money. I would get that comment all the time. Really? And that I was like just getting into thrifting for a trend. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gl- ugh, so glad I'm, you know, I've been faking it till I make it my whole <laughs> life. So, so glad you believe me, but no, um, no. I like that. If you weren't in your current profession, what would you be doing? What even is my current profession? Who can be sure? But um, I would be probably acting or singing. Like I would, I'd probably be in the entertainment industry, just like in a different area. But just like being myself yeah. is a lot better. Uh, best piece of advice you've ever received? The way you look is the least interesting thing about you. I love that. That's like so my much. favorite thing I've ever heard. Actually, I take yeah. that back. That is something that will stick in me, and I will say until I. I'm pretty sure I put it in my book, like because I'm just like it is so important to remember. So true, darling. All right, last one. If you could create one law in the world that everyone had to abide by, what would it be and why? Oh, besides to thrift all your clothes. Um, <laughs> could be that. To be an empathetic person. It's literally like what I feel like would make our whole entire world go around, especially this country, just so much better. Um, to, yeah, just be an empathetic person. Empathy for everyone. Empathy for everyone. Mandated yeah. empathy. Mandated Wait, empathy we, for everybody. Ask you, have you been to To Be Continued? No. <laughs> you really love I think he just likes the title of it the marketing of that store is yeah, just amazing it's, a, it's, it's like a it's a consignment store it's not really yeah, a yeah, yeah. store it's like a consignment store but it's beautiful it's where nice. is it? Um, on Robertson I feel like I need to you go you have to go I it's feel like so I never cool. go I always like I'm always in the valley thrifting oh, I always like gotta get out and I'm like I gotta get to the valley I gotta take my real ass thrift stores out there I just live up in the valley and I love the valley I lived in Sherman Oaks so before I. I lived in Beverly Hills and so like stop <laughs> Guys, this is a little too weird. Like, come on. So weird. This has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. Your book's coming out, right? Yeah, in September. Can you let everybody know where to find you? Yeah, Macy Eleni on Instagram, blazed and glazed everywhere else. Shimming and shaking, doing my thing. Come thrift. Have a good time. Be yourself. This is awesome. And thank you for watching. Watch one of our past episodes and subscribe. Thank you. Done. Oh, happy dating. (laughs) Happy dating. (laughs)